Summer in the Psalms. Summer in the Psalms. Do you think that's a good place to go after the book of Revelation? It's like, that sounds peaceful. And uh, not uh, a lot of bowls and seals and trumpets there. Uh, just curious, as we begin, for, for how many of you is Psalms, at least right now, your favorite book of the Bible? Can I see some of your hands? Anybody? That's my favorite book. There's a hand. Anybody else back there? Yeah, yeah. So uh, for several of you, this, this is it. This, this is the place for you. Um, if you're reading through the Bible, um, June's been a long month. We've been in the Psalms a long time, right? So uh, we are just finishing up there in the Psalms, and I believe July 1st we move into Proverbs if you're uh, doing the read through. Uh, today our focus is Psalm number 8. Ocho. Ocho. Oh, yes. Okay. So if you have your Bible, would you turn there with me? Psalm 8. And as I had a chance to read this over and over again this past week, uh, it's, it's like the Lord gave us a gift of Psalm 8 on this particular Sunday. Because it's been a pretty challenging week for conservative uh, Biblically-based uh, followers of Jesus. This has been, this has been a challenging week. Uh, let me just give you a few things that's happened this week in case you were uh, under a rock somewhere. Uh, started with the murder of nine church members in a Bible study and a prayer meeting in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, I don't know if you caught, but the 21-year-old sat with those nine for an hour and after one hour, pulled out his gun and killed the pastor and eight members of that church. And as he was being interrogated by investigators, here's what he said to him. He said, they were so nice to me and so kind, I almost didn't do it. And then I'm telling you, the powerful thing is to watch some of those relatives um, offer that young man forgiveness and care about his soul, wow. Uh, later in the week, uh, ISIS fighters disguised as uh, local fighters uh, snuck into uh, the Kurdish city of Kobani uh, and they slaughtered 150 Kurdish townspeople, men, women, children living in the village. Those were the ISIS fighters uh, uh, getting some revenge. Then on Thursday, uh, if you need to get caught up, this is like weekend review, uh, the Affordable Care Act, known as Obamacare, was upheld by the Supreme Court, upholding nationwide tax subsidies for health care. And it was fun uh, interacting with Pastor Bob on Thursday over his thoughts. Uh, then in Tunisia, North African Hotel and Beach, uh, a Tunisian radical uh, they say likely uh, radicalized in Islam. They didn't know that for sure, but that was their guess. Uh, he opened fire on mostly Western tourists, mostly British tourists, and killed 39 of them, wounded 38 others. Uh, then in Kuwait, a suicide bombing at a Shiite mosque blew up 27 worshipers. Again, that was an ISIS group. And in France, an Islamic radical decapitated his boss, 
before setting off an explosion at American-owned chemical plant. And if that wasn't enough good news for you, on Friday, the Supreme Court voted five to four that the Constitution guarantees a right to same-sex marriage in all 50 states. Uh, had lots of you ask, well, what's, what's your position? What's our position? Um, let me refer you to three websites, if you've got a pen. Uh, if you want to know my perspective and where I'm coming from, uh, I'm very, very much in line with these three names that I'm about to give you in their uh, websites. Um, a gentleman by the name of Albert Moeller, A-L-B-E-R-T-M-O-H-L-E-R.com, uh, wrote maybe the most uh, insightful uh, kind of big picture perspective on it. And his latest post is, everything has changed and nothing has changed. Uh, really good perspective, I thought. Very smart, one of our good guys. Uh, second uh, gentleman I would give you is Kevin DeYoung. He has a blog on, are you ready? If you're writing, taking notes, here we go. Uh, thegospelcoalition.org. T-H-E-G-O-S-P-E-L-C-O-A-L-I-T-I-O-N.org. And uh, he does a really nice job of saying, but what does the Bible say? Okay, this is what nine people say, but what does God's word say? Because that's what we really care about. And he does a really nice job of uh, kind of summarizing the Bible on that. And then one more, uh, DesiringGod.org. D-E-S-I-R-I-N-G, God.org. That's the website of Dr. John Piper. But actually on this particular time, um, they are featuring a question and answer session with one of Bob's favorites, one of my favorites, D.A. Carson. He's one of the most brilliant men uh, on evangelical side of things right now. And he does a really nice job. 18 minutes, uh, it's calm, it's rational, it's godly, it's mature, it's insightful. Um, so I would commend that 18 minute uh, question and answer period very much to you. So. Uh, I've heard from many of you, I know it's been a challenging week to be a biblically conservative follower of Jesus, but God in his kindness and sovereignty landed us here in Psalm 8. And I just want you to know, we don't get a picture of a little bitty God here. We get a picture of a big God. And maybe you're thinking, well, how big is God in Psalm 8? Uh, you just wait and see. Let's stand together. Psalm 8, let's read out loud. Uh, I, I found Psalm 8 this week to be especially comforting and encouraging to me. Ready? Here we go. Let's declare God's word together. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You've made them a little lower than the angels 
and crowned them with glory and honor. You made the rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let's pray together. Lord, uh, thank you for this gift of this beautiful song that it seems like you inspired David to write down for us. Uh, we just confess uh, this has been a challenging week as followers of Jesus. I'm just reminded, Lord, that uh, this world is not our home. We're just passing through. And Lord, we're grateful that our citizenship ultimately most truly is in heaven with you. So uh, thank you that we can look forward to uh, the best being yet to come. And Lord, we just acknowledge that our first and primary allegiance is to your son, Jesus Christ, and to his inspired word. Please meet us today as we dig into Psalm 8. Lord, give us a fresh perspective of yourself. Lord, uh, help us to see how big you really are. Bring comfort and hope and encouragement. And I pray especially right now for those who are struggling, for those who are hurting this morning. Lord, bring all the good stuff that only your grace and mercy has for them. Lord, I'm asking that uh, your spirit and your word might be alive and present today in your church. We invite you to come and uh, take charge, impact our hearts and minds and souls and wills. Lord, we want you to know that we want you to speak because we're listening. And all the church gathered at Walloon said in one united voice, you may be seated. Verse 1, verse 9, uh, provided the lyrics to many Christian songs over the centuries. Um, o Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I, I can't hardly even say that without thinking of uh, Sandy Patty. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. That's enough. Uh, What's interesting, I want to break that down because there's two different words for God here, okay? The first, uh, Lord, is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Lord. That's the Hebrew word Yahweh. Yahweh is the name that Jews wouldn't even say out loud. This is the name of God that's so amazing we shouldn't even say it with our lips because our lips are dirty. Uh, it's the name the Lord gave to Moses. Exodus 3.15, remember? Burning bush, the Lord reveals himself and he says, Moses, I am. I am the self-existent one. Yahweh means that God never had a beginning and he'll never have an end. That's what Yahweh is. He is utterly independent and lacks nothing. It means that everything else in this cosmos is totally dependent on Yahweh. 
That's the idea. So that's the first word, Lord. Um, go back to verse 1. O Yahweh, our Lord. That's a different name for God. Capital L, lowercase o-r-d. Okay, that's the, Greek, the Hebrew word, excuse me, Adonai. Adonai, which means he's the master of everything. Our Lord is the master of everything, and in this context, he's the master over us, is the idea, and we're his servants. So put this together, O Yahweh, our Adonai, the God of the Bible who is self-existent and lacks nothing, he's awesome, is also personal and involved with you and I. Do you get the idea? He's amazing and, and massive and huge, and, and he controls everything, and everything is dependent on him. Oh, and he also cares about puny little you and puny little me. He's beyond us, and yet he's right near us. He's all-powerful, and yet he's close, and he's personal. Go back to verse 1. Oh, Yahweh, our Adonai, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Meaning, uh, your name, God, is excellent and famous in all the world. There's nobody like our God. There's no one like our God, the God of the Bible. Exodus 15, 11, Who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? Romans 1.20, For since the creation of the world's God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what He's made, so that men are without... Anybody know? Excuse, why? Because it's obvious. You just, you just look around and you say, I, I can see there is handiwork there. There is order. It's clear that somebody made all of this. Back to verse 1. Lord, you've set your glory in the heavens. The word glory includes all of God's attributes. Got it? His glory, all of God's amazing attributes. The word glory literally means, are you ready? Heavy. Heavy. So, I'm talking to Myron and he tells me something deep and insightful. And I look at Myron and I say, Heavy. That's heavy, Myron. Heavy. Yeah, that, that's deep. That's inside. That, that's what he's trying to say. You know, God's glory fills our galaxy and beyond. He, he's awesome in his attributes. And that's a heavy thought. Verse 2. Through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. From the splendor and the vastness of the universe, okay, got that? You've set your glory in the heavens, and now look at verse 2, and, and he, he spirals down, zeroes in on the cry of a baby or the babbling of a toddler. You get that? So from, from the greatest, the most massive and mighty, now he, he zeroes in on a little baby, and he seems to be saying the awesome 
ruler of the cosmos even cares about the weak and the small. Even the babies, the, the most fragile, the most delicate amongst us. The, the Lord of the universe cares about the weak and the small, and he's even, and look at verse 2, he's even interested in the cries of a baby, the babbling words that don't make sense of a toddler. Um, he chooses the weak to confound the mighty. Do you see that? You got all these people and they, they don't believe in God and they are against God and, and they want to do their own thing. And he says, you know what? I, I'm going to choose the weak thing and the weakest thing that, that David could come to his mind is, is even a little baby. Um, God chooses the weak to confound the mighty. And even the simple little cries of a baby is heard by our God. He listens. And he cares even about simple sounds. Verse 3. David writes, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you've set in place, verse 4, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. David grew up just outside of Bethlehem, Anybody know when he was chosen to be king, what was his profession? Anybody? He was a shepherd, okay? So he's out there tending to his father's flocks. And uh, I like to think that uh, at night, you know, you got the, the flocks nearby, but they didn't get to go back in the house. They needed to stay outside and watch the flock, especially at night, because that's when flocks were most vulnerable to attack. Um, so David's there next to the sheep pen, and maybe he's laying down and just about to go to sleep, and he looks up and he sees all of the stars that he can see with his naked eye. Okay? And he's awestruck. Wow, look at... You ever been somewhere where you can see the stars just so clearly? You know what I'm talking about? And he's struck with the fact, you know what? The God I serve, the God I worship, is the one who created all of these several thousand stars that I can see with my naked eye. Um, I'm told that you can see two, three, maybe max about 4,000 stars just with your eye when there's really good viewing on, okay? So that's David's observation. He looks up, sees the thousands of stars, and he said, the one who made all those is the God I know, the God I serve, the God that I worship. And that seems to be the basis uh, for what he's saying here. Uh, but I'd like to just take a few minutes now and adjust your thinking. Look back at verse 3. When I consider your heavens... The work of your fingers, God, the moon, the stars, which you've set in place. When David wrote this down, from his perspective, there's two, three, four thousand stars up in the sky. But I just want you to know that we know a little bit more today about the heavens that our God created. The moon, the stars that Yahweh has set in place. Um, if you want to take a few notes, if you want to have your brain 
circuit's blown just a little bit. Here we go. Uh, this is primarily uh, because of the Hubble Space Telescope. I burned up Mr. Google uh, for several hours with this, so uh, thank you, Mr. Google, for your help. Uh, astronomers have recently, because mostly of Hubble, uh, adjusted their estimates about the size of the universe and the number of galaxies. They used to think that there were maybe a few dozen galaxies. Uh, then they said, well, maybe there's a few hundred galaxies like ours. And then they moved into the thousands and the tens of thousands. Telescopes got better. Now, after Hubble's gone up and, and gotten a bigger picture from space, uh, they tell us there are now, you ready for this number? A hundred billion galaxies like ours. A hundred billion galaxies like our galaxy. And here's what's interesting. Several articles said, but that's just till we get the next generation of telescopes up and they're scheduled to go out in the next couple years. And most of them are saying, but although we say now 100 billion, we're guessing that we'll probably see it's bigger than we thought, maybe 200 billion galaxies as we know more. Okay, the, the galaxy the Earth is founded on is called, anybody, anybody? The Milky Way bar, yes. Our galaxy, the Milky Way, contains about 300 billion stars. Let that soak in. Our one galaxy, Milky Way, 300 billion stars. Um, and our galaxy is just one of 100 plus billion galaxies. So, let's say we want to take a little tour, Ron, of our galaxy, okay? Let's, okay? And we're going to put the pedal to the metal, okay? We're in a spaceship, and we got a spaceship that'll go the speed of light. Anybody know what's the speed of light? 186,000 miles per hour. Uh, that translates to 671 million miles per hour, okay? So we're going to go from one end of the Milky Way, just our little galaxy, to the other end of the Milky Way, and we're going to go the speed of light, okay? 671 million miles per hour. How long do you suspect it's going to take to go from one end of our one galaxy to the other at the speed of light? It's going to take us 120,000 years, Ron, to go from one end of our galaxy to the other, Milky Way, going 186,000 miles per second. Wow. Uh, so just allow me to summarize. Earth is just like this tiny blue speck, and our sun is just a relatively minor star, and our sun is one of 300 billion in our galaxy in a, in a universe of 100 billion plus galaxies. And here's what you need to know. In Genesis 1-1 says that in the beginning, what happened? Our God created what? The heavens and he created it all. He, he, he just spoke it into existence. Turn quickly, okay? I want to show you something. Colossians 1, 15. Colossians 1, verse 15. And if you don't uh, underline, uh, please consider underlining here because this is this is pretty amazing stuff. 
This is talking about the role of Jesus Christ in creation. Uh, the Son, talking about Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. So if you see Jesus, you've seen the Father, and now you get a title. Um, some of our JW neighbors will try to make a big deal about the firstborn over all creation. That's a title. Uh, does the apple queen have to be an apple? Does, does the apple queen need to be an apple? No, because it, the idea is you're not an apple to be the apple queen. You're ruling over all the festivities of Apple Week. Um, so again, that's a title, and don't let them trick you up on that. Okay, now still talking about Jesus, verse 16. For in Jesus, all things were what? All things, things in heaven, things on earth, visible stuff, invisible stuff, thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, all things, in case you didn't get it yet, have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. He's before all things, and in him, I like this, and in all, him, all things are held together. Jesus is the super glue of the universe. Jesus, he created it, he spoke it, uh, and now he holds it all together, and he is literally the ruler, the king of everything and everyone, okay? He, he is the creator of all 300 billion stars in our galaxy. He's the one who created 100 billion plus galaxies in our universe with each one containing hundreds of billions of stars and it's Jesus Christ who holds them all together. Can I just tell you something? Are you ready? We serve a really big God. Our Jesus is a really awesome God. And sometimes, let me just say it, our God in our heads is too small. And, and, and He's puny and, and He's incapable and I just want you to know that's not how the Bible talks about our God. Go back with me to Psalm chapter 8. We continue. Verses 3 and 4. What is man, verse 4, that you're mindful of them, mankind, human beings, that you care for them? What's mankind? Lord, you're the awesome creator of hundreds of billions of galaxies, why on earth, why on in heaven do you care about puny, fragile, prone to wander, me and you? Why, why does he care about humans? Verse 4b, why is it, Lord, awesome I am, self-existent one, who everything depends on, why do you care about us? That's what David's asking. Why would you care? Verse 5, this is huge. You've made humans just a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. Verse 6, you made humans rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, our feet, humans' feet. Verse 7, all the flocks and herds and the animals of the wild. Verse 8, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, all that swim in the paths of the seas. Very few of us think of ourselves that way. I'd ask you, um, 
where do you see yourself in the pecking order of planet Earth? Very few of us would say, um, we're just a little lower than angels. Matter of fact, I think most of us, the first, well, we're just a little higher than animals, is how most of us would describe ourselves, right? Um, just a little more evolved than the other animals of the earth. Uh, and I just want you to know that's exactly opposite of how the Lord views mankind. We get this mental image, you know, um, I, I was this primate, and then I became this jumping creature, jumping around the jungle, and, and then I started dragging my knuckles on the ground, and then I was a caveman and pulling women around by the hair, and then suddenly I stand up, and now I'm a man. And, and if that's your picture, then again, that's your heritage, and then that's how you view yourself, and that's how you view planet Earth. But God's Word declares, no, uh, we are made and we are created in God's image. Genesis 1.27, you can write it down. Uh, so God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them, male and female, he created them. Please understand the image of God has nothing to do with externals. We don't look like God on the outside. God's image means that we are spiritual people. We have the capacity to have a relationship with God Almighty. We are spiritual. We are relational. We can relate with each other. We can relate with the God who created us. And uh, I think probably the idea of we have the ability to be creative like our God and Creator is creative. That probably has something to do with it as well. Which means what? You ready? Give me your eyes. Value isn't determined by externals. Our value isn't determined by the car I drive, the house I occupy, the size of my muscle or my dress size. Got it? That's not where value comes from. Where does my value come from? It comes from the fact that I'm created in God Almighty's image. I have a royal identity, and it's all about the internal stuff that matters. Remember, remember what, uh, what, what he said? He said, uh, man looks on the outward things, but what does God care about? The inside. God cares about your heart. God cares about what's going on on the inside. So here, here's my question. Why do we spend so much energy focusing on outward stuff, on our resumes, our clothes, our stuff, and why do we spend generally so little time building our relationship with Jesus, our Creator? Do you understand? So, so if I walked down the aisle right now next to you and I said, okay, Brian, what have you done this last week to build up your inside? Okay. Tell him Pastor Jeff says hello. Uh, uh, give me your eyes. What are you doing to build up your inside? Have you been in your small group recently? Have you been reading through the Bible in a year? 
Are you regularly, daily walking and knowing and spending time in prayer and worship of Jesus? If you have, compare that to all the time you spend on the outward stuff. And see, that's what I'm talking about. We need to regularly be building the inside more than the outside. If you believe you're made in God's image, if you're, you really believe you're made just a little lower than the angels, it's going to affect the way you value the inside stuff. If we really believe the awesome God of the universe deeply cares about puny little you and me, it's going to change how we live. I'm going to be more concerned with my inner world than I am my outer image. One more thing. We really believe that all 7.2 billion people on earth are created in God's image. Um, It's going to change the way we value other people. Okay? So it's going to change the way I value my soul and working on the inside and not focusing on the outside. But it's also going to change the way I value the people around me. James 3, verse 9, listen to this. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with the same tongue we curse people who've been made in God's likeness. Did you think about that? Oh, Lord, I love you. And, and we sing and we pray, and then with that same tongue, we're cursing the guy who cuts us off. We're, we're cursing the light because now I've got to wait an extra light, and, and I'm mad. We start understanding that all are made in the likeness and the image of God. We're going to start treating each person as though they're an eternal being. Why is that? Give me your eyes. Because every person is an eternal being. They, they, that, that person and their soul is going to be lasting for eternity. I like this quote from C.S. Lewis. We'll view every individual as the holiest object ever presented to my senses, to your senses. Last week, um, we spent uh, some time in Chicago. We had a staff retreat. And I'm reading that and I'm thinking about Uh, Lord, you care about my soul. I'm created in your image. I need to be working on the inside. And then it occurs to me, oh yeah, and that better have an effect on the people that I rub shoulders with. And suddenly it came to me like, you know, and that really matters, the people that you really, Jeff, don't pay much attention to. For instance, the lady who came into the place where we were staying and she starts cleaning and she can't hardly speak a word of English. And now I'm thinking right now, Jeff, how do you view this lady? And she's here and she's wiping up your bathroom and she's cleaning up your mess. How do you view her? Or uh, what do I think of the waiter who messed up my order and doesn't really seem to care? Anybody have that happen this past week? They, they come, they take your order, they expect 20%, and they really don't care that they're messing it up. And, and trust me, I know many of you, you care deeply and you deserve more than 20%. But this particular waiter didn't care and expected a lot, and now I'm thinking, how do I view this person? Or, as we're walking through downtown Chicago encountered lots of homeless guys on the corner and they're dirty and they're missing most of their teeth. Lord, how do I view them? Do I view them as people made in your likeness? 
I can get on the hard drive of my heart and mind that the awesome creator of 100 billion plus galaxy has created each and every person in his image, that changes everything. If I really believe that, that's going to change, first of all, the way I value my soul, the way I treat my inner life, and it's going to change the way I treat everybody the Lord brings into my path. And I promise you, if you'll get that big picture of the awesome creator who also is personal and cares about you and me, it'll change the way you treat others as well. I'd like you to bow your heads. And instead of praying, what I'd like to close with is I'd like to uh, read kind of slowly um, what we've just studied together. Kind of rehearse this. And I'd like you to do it. And why shut your eyes? Because I think it's easier to concentrate. I, I think we tend to be able to, to listen. And maybe now that we've worked through it a little bit, maybe, uh, maybe it'll stick. Here we go. Lord, our Lord, Yahweh our Adonai, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory, all your attributes in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is mankind that you're mindful of them? human beings that you care for them. You've made them a little lower than the angels. You've crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all the flocks and the herds, the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, all that swim in the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth.